Hello, and welcome to another special edition episode of Black Women Voices. I'm one of the hosts, Anne-Marie Edwards, and I'm currently pursuing a doctorate in educational psychology. I wanted to explore a more innovative approach with my dissertation. So about a year ago, I asked my sister host if I could record special episodes for the Black Woman Voices podcast that would be included in my dissertation. If you missed episode one of the series, I would encourage you to go back and listen. In that episode, I give a more robust explanation of the premise behind the special series. This is episode six of a nine part series. This episode features Jennifer and her voice is the next voice you'll hear. Hi, my name is Jen and I am a first generation Nigerian American. I would consider my mom, my dad, my little brother and my little sister, my immediate family. I would say my extended family are those who are more overseas and I don't really have a close relationship with. I have an aunt and an uncle that are in Illinois and we talk pretty regularly. Then I would say I have some in Maryland, but I'm not as close to them. The Nigerian identity is strong. Because I kind of grew up around more African-Americans than Nigerians, my racial identity has been pretty gray, but I've always known my blood runs Nigerian. My ethnicity is Nigerian, but then there comes my nationality. Well, my nationality is American. I watch American TV shows, my friends, the food I eat, the way I dress, the struggles I relate to, they're all American. And well, when you're around other African-Americans or black students all the time, you're able to relate more with the black experience. I guess because the Nigerian experience is somewhat removed because I'm not there, that's how I'm able to relate to it. But I think I will say that I'm not African-American, I'm Nigerian-American, but I still was able to relate to it. It was almost like I can relate to it, but I can't 100% be in that. I cannot 100% be African-American because I do still have that Nigerian heritage that I am able to see more so of. Nigerians have a lot of proverbs. My mom and my dad, they love bringing those up all the time, just different sayings, and many of which translate to a lot of American ones as well. Things along the lines of, it takes a village to raise a child, for example. I think that's something that is a little bit less American because we are a lot more individualistic in America. In Nigeria, they're a lot more collectivist. Everyone works together for the goal of the team. So I think for me, a sense of community is something that I definitely learned from my parents. But that community is strongest within your family, which I would say is a little bit different from some people because for others, it's your whole culture. But for us, it's kind of more so your family is your strongest bond. And that's where your community is at the end of the day. I would also say my parents taught me the general sense of being pragmatic. I think that's the big thing. Nigerians are very pragmatic because, well, they have to be, especially the ones that have immigrated to America. They are leaving their entire family behind. They're leaving wars behind. And they're coming to this place where they're seeking the quote unquote American dream. It's kind of more of a mentality that you have to be successful. Otherwise, well, there is no otherwise. So I think that's another thing that's kind of been instilled in me. 
and other quotes like time is money. My dad always says that and it's the things along that sense of the pragmatic manner. I mean, my earliest memory in terms of developing my identity in educational environments, to be honest with you, I would say probably first grade. The school that I went to was pretty diverse and there were more black people at that school than anything. There was never an issue with knowing that I was black or different from others simply because I am black, if that makes sense. I know for many people, they're at first educational experiences with feeling outcasted or different from being black stems from realizing that they stand out in a room of their peers because of their color. To be more exact, third grade was my first time being a part of higher learning. I was in an enrichment program. It was my first time being in a classroom that had less black people than all of my previous classes. And I found that interesting as a kid, but I didn't really dissect it too much because at that time, race wasn't something that was a big factor for how I saw myself or encountered really any adversity from. But what I will say is that was around the time that I started to get bullied a lot for the shade of my skin. There would be comments like, oh, you're so dark, or oh, look at her nose, it's so big, you're so dark, we can't see you when the lights are off, burnt biscuit, ugly, you're so black, blah, blah, blah. That was when I started to experience colorism. Never really got comments like that from white people. It was more so POC, to be honest with you, where the tormenting comments related to colorism came from. So from there, fourth and fifth grade, again, more of that kind of, oh, you're so black and ugly, Again, all from people of color. And if I'm to be even more honest, I have to say a majority of it came from black women specifically. And I can talk about how that I think in my current age sort of had a lingering effect, but I'll go into that later. Anyway, so that was fourth and fifth grade. I ended up moving districts in middle school. Around that time, my parents decided to take me to a private school. This private school was also predominantly black as well. So again, race in terms of just feeling outside of being black wasn't really an issue for me. There I was comfortable. The joke sort of died down about how dark my skin is, but it didn't stop. It was interesting because that was around the time, middle school, sixth to eighth grade, you're also going through puberty. Everyone's kind of changing and discovering their identities. That was also around the time where, because of the stuff in elementary and the now diluted jokes in middle school, I started to feel that colorism a lot more intensely. I even remember there were times where I would think, man, if I was white, my life would be so easy or even just white, or even just not white, but light-skinned. Maybe people would be kinder to me if there were just some way to fix how dark and ugly my skin was just these disgusting and self-hating thoughts. And I remember thinking that all of the time in sixth and seventh grade, I really, to be honest with you, didn't fully grow out of that self-hatred mindset until I wanted, until I want to say my sophomore year of high school when I was about 15. I wasn't really open as a kid, to be honest with you, but I would also like to make note that colorism is very prevalent in the Nigerian culture. I always kind of felt that wasn't something that they could be able to relate to. I mean, even if you just kind of look at a lot of their women, it's a lot of dark-skinned men with light-skinned women, a lot of bleaching products for skincare and stuff like that. Comments from my family members whenever I was darker than usual, like, did you scrub your skin today? You're getting so dark, emphasis on the dark. My mother, she has a lighter complexion than me, you know, and she isn't dark skin. 
as a kid, I kind of felt like, oh, she wouldn't understand. So I'm not going to tell her what was going on at school. But it's interesting because my sister and I, our colors are pretty much the same. I don't think we've ever had a conversation about it, which is pretty interesting for me because I'm sure she probably went through similar experiences, but we never had a conversation on it. I think for me and most of us going to a PWI, I started to notice that for white people, a lot of their ignorance when it comes to race is just that, ignorance. For me, the ignorance was surprising because it gets to a point where the question is, do they know that these things are happening or are they so privileged that they don't even have to see it? Racial injustice has been happening right before their eyes every day, yet they continue to deliberately ignore it. This fact became persistently bothersome for me. As far as my education and identity, well, I am a STEM major in the field of engineering. I know for most black women in any field, we tend to stand out mostly because we usually are the minority in that field and even more so with STEM. With engineering specifically, and these numbers I haven't looked up since about two years ago, but there are about 20% of women, just women that are engineers in the United States. And there are less than 6% that are women of color. I'd like to emphasize that that's of all women of color, not just black women. And I don't know what the percentage is for just black women, but it would surprise me if we made up to half of the 6% of women of color in engineering. For me, it got to a point where I was like, okay, I wanna do engineering and I do understand that I'm going to be the minority and naturally will have to face more adversities based off of these factors. My problem arises when I'm constantly marginalized for being a minority. For example, my first intro to engineering class that I had freshman year, I was in a group of five. It comprised of all males, one of which was black. I was the only woman and I was the only other African-American. I noticed that there was a problem with me being black in my field and a woman in my field when I would give suggestions that were always passed over. It got to a point where I was like, are they deliberately ignoring me? Do they think I'm dumb? Is it because I'm a woman? Is it because I'm black? Just asking those sort of questions to the point where we would literally lose points for things that I had already suggested. It was like, okay, you guys have to be deliberately ignoring me at this point. I think just in terms of education, it's always kind of been hard for me, especially just more so in college because engineering, most of my classes are with either males or white women. And even if it's that, I'm usually the minority. I don't see other people that look like me. I don't have faculty members that look like me. In terms of identity, I started to feel a little bit lost my freshman year and I wasn't really sure if I knew that engineering was something that I wanted to continue doing. But again, kind of going back to my earlier childhood stuff, race had never been an outlying issue. I never really felt like I stood out just because I was around other black people for the most part. I'm comfortable being around white people, but it seemed like they had a problem being around me. That's when I started to really notice that maybe there is something wrong with me being in this field. Now, obviously being at the end of my program, I don't currently think the same way. I mean, I'm very concrete in what I plan to do and my goals, regardless of who is in my field and who I have to work with. But I do have to recognize that these people may not respect me off the bat because of what I look like. I have to prove myself 10 times over versus a white straight man. I learned to be confident like this, honestly, from my participation in groups like Nesby and my experiences in my classes, group work, and just being around people. And even just the projects from my freshman year that I was referring to earlier. 
If I need to prove myself to have some sort of quality or value in whatever system or project that we're working in, it has to be 10 times more than someone who was white. The Black woman's immediate exterior is usually closed up. We always have this guard up immediately, which I mean, we kind of have to. The whole, world tells, the whole world tells us that we have to, to be honest with you. In my experience, when I was talking about the girls that would bully me and be like, oh, you're so dark, blah, 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 they were all Black women. So I think for me, maybe there was some sort of resentment when it came to friendships with Black women from when I grew up. And obviously now I don't think the same way at all, but I don't know. It's always like a competition. Even now in college, I would say the same. It's always like there's some sort of competition, like there's only room for one Black girl here. I don't know how to really explain it, to be honest with you, but there's always just been some sort of immediate guard that Black women have because we're always taught to be strong. We're always taught to be carriers. And I think that strength, because it's intimidating to most people, even to other Black women, it comes off as, oh, she's fine. She's doing her own thing. She doesn't need me, which is not true, of course, obviously. But I don't think that's sort of the immediate guard that most of us have to people we don't know. When I say us as Black women aren't usually too friendly to other Black women, I relate it to my experiences, encounters and parties and stuff, or just even events where I would go and there'd be a group of Black women that would just stare me down, just make me feel so uncomfortable being there, sometimes little snickers. And these are people that, you know, they knew of me, but they never really got the chance to know me. And it always kind of seemed like a problem. I wanted to get involved in Black organizations on campus like Nesby and BSU, but that was also kind of my reason for not wanting to be too involved. Thankfully, I went ahead and took a chance and ended up joining Nesby, which is part of the most rewarding college experiences that I've had so far. I will also say that my closest friends are Black women. My five to six really, really close friends, lifelong relationships, they're all Black women, which is important to me. I have a lot of friends though. So of those six friends, even though they are my closest, all my other friends are either black males or Asians, white, Hispanic. I have a number of friends in that area, but the friends that are a part of a limited demographic, black women happen to be my closest. The words I would use to describe my post-graduation aspirations are inspiring, diligence for sure, strength and resilience. I think resilience would probably be one of the biggest things because college has shown me that, like I was saying before, I have to work 10 times harder to prove myself in a field to be treated with any sort of respect. That can get tiring. So as long as I remember to stay strong and keep that resilience with my future goals post-college and work and whatnot, I think I can continue to be successful. Some words of advice for other Black women would be to start engaging in Black organizations earlier on in college. I think my freshman year, I kind of dibble dabbled and hung out with the white fraternities and stuff, which I think taught me a lot of lessons. But I think if I had a strong community of Black people that I have now back then, my growth wouldn't have taken so long. My identity is constantly shaping. When I think about who I was 10 years ago or even earlier, I look at her as a whole different person. My participation in this has really made me think about the people and the factors that have gotten me to where I am today. If it weren't for my strong support system, I have no idea how I would have ever gotten to the place I am now. I'm the most happy and secure with my identity than I have ever been.
And now for my research notes. Before I begin, more information on the resources used for this segment will be in the show notes. The major theme from this episode includes colorism within the African diaspora. Jennifer is very clear about her cultural background. She is Nigerian-American, not African-American. Her parents have instilled in her Nigerian values, and she describes her awareness of being very much Nigerian while living and growing up in America. Jennifer describes her experience being bullied for her darker complexion by other black women. Wait, aren't we supposed to support each other? Hmm. Colorism is tied to one's proximity to whiteness. That is, how close does your skin tone and or your features get you to being white? What struck me was how Jennifer described colorism as being very prevalent in the Nigerian community. I've also learned that colorism is highly prevalent in many countries in Latin America, the Caribbean, and Southeast Asia, where whiteness is the celebrated aesthetic. In Mickey Kendall's book, Hood Feminism, she talks about colorism in America, the Caribbean, and Latin America as rooted in colonization and in other countries rooted in European beauty ideals. The sting of colorism also seems to penetrate when it is intercultural. The privilege that lighter skin is seemingly better than darker can be seen in the beauty industry today. The racial and political conversations of the day that promote whiteness persist as illustrated by the booming skin lightening industry. An article by Forbes valued the skin bleaching industry at $8.3 billion. Let that soak in. Billion. Under mounting pressure over racism, some companies have opted to change the name of their product to skin evening or same product, same message, different wording. The question I have is how does colorism help or hurt a black girl's definition of self? As a young person, Jennifer thought that people would be nicer to her if she were lighter skinned. And that thought about herself didn't change until she was in high school. Moreover, conversations about colorism may not be as prevalent in black homes because of fear of familial or and or community alienation or even a lack of understanding of the concept itself. Kendall writes that colorism is a cultural institution that has skewed access to opportunity by consistently placing those with lighter skin in positions of privilege. How do we as a black community begin to grapple with the internal issues of colorism? Who decided that being lighter equated to pretty while being darker equated to a lack of beauty? These ideologies are rooted in anti-blackness and racism. Darker skin has long since been demonized by society in media, music, movies, etc. The impact on identity development can be devastating. Self-acceptance and self-love can be altered if we are unsure if we love or like what we see in the mirror. If we are honest, maybe there is a deeply rooted desire to reap the perceived benefits of being fair-skinned. One final note, each episode will end with a clip of a song that the participant chose to describe their life journey. Jennifer chose Brown Skin Girls by Beyonce. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you for taking the time to listen to Black Women Voices. Please come back next Friday to check out the next episode in this special series. And remember to follow up Black Women Voices on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. All the links will be in the show notes. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, please leave us a five-star review and share it with others. Now let's start a conversation. Take care and talk soon. She says she really grew up poor like me. Don't believe in nothing but the Almighty. Just a little jeans and a pure whitey. She never did forever be nobody wifey. She wanna be not pretty, but your heart is on me. Play you like a villain, cause she caught in a way. Tonight I am walking away. Light up my mind and I grind. Tonight I might fall in love. Depending on how you that I'm coming down. I'll let no one come control me. Keep dancing and call it love. She fights it by falling slowly. If ever you are in doubt, remember what mama told me. Brown skin girl, your skin just like pearls. Come back against the world. I never tried you for anybody else. Brown skin girl, your skin just like For the pretty dark skin Pretty like Lupita when the camera's closing Drip off the levee when my kill is rolling I think tonight she might pray her praise Melanin too dark to throw her shade She minds her business and winds her ways Like 24 okay? okay. Tonight I might fall in love Depending on how you love me I'm glad that I'm calming down Can't let no one come control me Dancing and calling love She's fighting but falling slowly If ever you are in doubt